Ich bin Ludwig und ihr hört das BS Podcast Network. Hello everybody and welcome back to Dropping Loans. Once again, my name is Pouch and I am here alone once more without the aid of Milky and a semi-permanent. Um, we had a couple of weeks where we were both busy. Um, uh, last week, Milky was out doing something. Um, I'd rather not put his business out there, but he was unavailable throughout the week. And me, myself, uh, I was just, I guess you could say I was just a little lazy. Uh, that weekend, I was going out of town for a very special birthday celebration to my, I call him my brother. I've known him for 24 years. His name is Steve. Um, I've known him since he was four years old, so he's basically my brother. I, lo I love him like a brother. Uh, so I wanted to not have to worry about editing and freaking out and rushing to get it done by Sunday so I said no nah, I don't want to I don't want to record I just want to enjoy and hang out and hang and you know enjoy hanging out in San Francisco that's where I was that's where he lives and that's where I went to visit him um so yeah if you love other podcasts which I'm sure you do because you listen to ours uh check out Steve's podcast he does with his best friends it's called y'all boys talking uh ringing endorsement it's a great podcast they have fantastic chemistry they've known each other for 12 years uh probably more They're really funny. They're they're all creatives and they're all very well spoken, very articulate, very well read. We're all very smart, and uh, above all else, it's kind of a motivational podcast. So what they do is they like to hold each other accountable to try new things and to you know just to reach ever higher. As as I I guess I don't know if that's the way they would summarize it, but at least that's the way I would summarize it. Um, good podcast. Check it out. It's called Y'all Boys Talking. Actually, let me check out where you can find their lovely podcast right now as I'm talking to you because I don't have any content so I'd rather just look it up for you let's see real quick just type that into the computer you can find that on Apple Podcasts it's y'all boys talking um, I believe it's uh, Y apostrophe A-L-L boys talking with um without the g so there's an apostrophe over the end you can find that on spotify and uh you can find that on their website which is uh ybt.fm find it there again once again ybt.fm fm i'll be sure to link it in the website i don't know if i ever talked about them before but it is pretty important that i um that that you guys know that and that um i promote them because i feel like they deserve it you know they're pretty cool dudes so what do i want to talk about i really have nothing to talk about i just wanted to make sure that you guys didn't go without an episode for so fucking long um it's 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 been at least a week and right now this is the saturday before it's going out so i was just like okay let me just record one as soon as as soon as i can just to make sure that there wasn't such a long absence so here i am another simply pouch episode which I wasn't, I was particularly hesitant to do it, but like I said, once again, it's one of those situations where it was kind of my fault that we had such a long absence. He was busy, I was busy, so I'm just like, fuck it, I'm just gonna make, I'll just record something just to make sure that there's something up. Um, I'd rather, again, I'd rather not be absent for too long just to maintain some sort of consistent schedule because there are podcasts out there who have started way after us and they have more episodes than we do, so it's, it's a bit embarrassing and that's 
no, no, by no fault but our own, because sometimes we just take breaks every once in a while. So here I am, not really sure what to talk about. I, I mean, I just saw uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood just a few hours ago, and I guess we can talk about that, a sort of uh, ersatz Emmy plot for you, because I'm not going to be nearly as funny as SPJ. But Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is extremely entertaining. It meanders a bit, because you don't really know where it's going. Uh, the trailers gave no indication as to what the plot could be about. They were early buzz about that movie was that it was going to be um, about the Manson murders, and it's very, very far from that. I mean, Manson does make a very brief appearance, Charles Manson that is, he makes a very brief appearance for about three to four minutes. The Manson murders kind of happen in the movie, but spoilers, it's very different. Um... So, it's a, the newest flick by Quentin Tarantino, the ninth movie. It is very, 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 very good. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. Again, like, I didn't know where it was going, so it was definitely confused throughout the entire time. It's, I think it's over two and a half hours, so it's very close to three hours. And it, it honestly feels meandering. There isn't, like, a whole lot of direction that the plot's going in. All we, we just kind of follow three characters in this movie. Um, first, we follow uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's Rick Dalton, which is a kind of slightly washed up uh, western actor he is uh, he used to be on a show called bounty law and prior to that he was a lead in a, in a couple of western movies and so on and um he's fairly famous but right now he's just doing guest spots in various shows hoping to pick something up and then he has his uh his best friend slash stuntman slash assistant who is played by brad pitt uh his name i fuck i don't remember he was probably the best character in the movie and brad pitt is fucking great and so is leonardo dicaprio to be completely fair but um they're both good in it and uh his best friend slash assistant uh slash former stuntman on the on the on the show that made um rick dalton's rick dalton very famous bounty law he was a stuntman on that show for him so we just kind of follow them as well as like a fictionalized version of sharon tate uh played by margot robbie it's kind of like we follow them for a few weeks at a time. Rick Dalton kind of just deals with the fact that his career may be not go, not doing so well, and he's like freaking out about it. He cries so much in this movie; it's quite funny. And and then his uh, best friend, God damn, it, I should look at his fucking name up. Why don't I know his name? I mean, we followed him the most in the in the movie, so it's weird that I don't remember this fucker's name. Cliff Booth, that's his name. Anyway, so we follow Cliff Booth, and. Uh, Rick Dalton and a fictionalized version of Sherry Tate, uh, Sharon Tate, as they just kind of go about their lives over the course of a, of a couple of weeks. Like I said, Rick Dalton is kind of just dealing with the fact that he may no longer have a career. Al Pacino's character is a very wealthy. Um, it looks like he. It seems like he's a television producer or something. He's just a. Uh, He's a very um he's a very rich powerful person. Uh, I I don't exactly know who he is. Um Al Pacino plays this man named Schwarz. Uh I forgot his name. Something Schwarz. And uh, I guess he has the pull to um, put him in spaghetti westerns because it takes place in the '60s, obviously late '60s. So he has um, he's a Hollywood producer, and he can uh, put him in spaghetti westerns because he see, he thinks that Dalton can do those spaghetti westerns. And then again, we just kind of go about their lives. We see Leonardo DiCaprio um, act in a in a, in a pilot that they're shooting, and he's playing the villain. And he's actually really fucking good in that. Scene. He's insanely good. And uh, and Brad Pitt as um, Cliff. He just again we we deal we show what he's doing in the regular in the middle of the day, which is kind of like while. Um, he, he drives um, uh, Rick Dalton everywhere because Rick Dalton's Rick Dalton got a DUI, so his license was suspended. 
so his he, as his assistant he drives him everywhere drives him to uh the set drives him drives him back from the set after they wrap uh but throughout the day he just kind of like take care takes care of his house house sits and fixes shit around the house and um in the middle of it i guess he kind of encounters the the manson family without realizing who they were uh we find out that that cliff is a major badass because he kind of like spars with bruce lee briefly and gets the upper hand before it stops this is in the flashback within a flashback which is you know kind of funny all things considered because you know inception and Leonardo DiCaprio was an inception, but whatever. There was a flashback within a flashback, and we saw that it was just to introduce the character of how Cliff Booth is a fucking badass. Like he's 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 so well coordinated. He has a really, he just like he's a smart, clever motherfucker, and he can beat the fuck out of you if he really needs to. But otherwise, he's a well mannered guy. And he also has a badass pit bull named uh, Brandy who can fuck you up if need be, and she's super trained. Like he's just a really smart all around. Um, all-around dude who knows how to take care of himself as well as take care of his best friend, Rick. Uh, we also find out that he... I guess he harpooned his fucking wife. He killed her. I, I don't know what the story is. They didn't really delve too much into that, but that's fine. Oh, yeah, obviously, spoilers, in case you didn't know, you should have expected that by now from uh, from our podcast because we don't give a fuck about spoilers too much. Uh, so that that's... Again, we just kind of follow them. Uh, Sharon Tate, again, we follow her with kind of very mundane activities. She kind of go watches a movie that she's featured in. Um, and again, like, it's it meanders for such a long time. We just kind of get the opportunity for um, to see Leonardo DiCaprio act his ass off as usual. And he's really good. And we, see the oppor- and we get the opportunity to see Brad Pitt kind of, like, tangle in a way with the Manson family. Um, they keep referring to Charles Manson as Charlie, obviously, because they obviously affectionately dub him Charlie. I'm assuming that's why he was called. From what I from what I know, he's extremely charming and disarmingly so. Um, so he kind of encounters them. He goes um, to a ranch, uh, to a movie ranch, which was the set of Bounty Law. Uh, back in the day, and they've been living there, so he's like, I need to make sure that the owner of this ranch is still alive, and they didn't, these hippies, quote-unquote, didn't fuck with him, because they clear, there's clear prejudice towards uh, hippies in this era of time, um, so we just, you know, that's probably the only thing that kind of moves the plot along, uh, because, like I said, there isn't really a plot, like, they just, the, the plot kind of belongs to the Manson family, but, we don't really follow them, per se. Like, we only follow these three characters, mostly Rick and Cliff, as they go about one day, uh, well, at least the one day that he's shooting uh, this pilot, as while Cliff kind of just takes care of business. Um, but, after, but suddenly, after an, an episode of the show called FBI, in which, um, in which Rick guest stars in, uh, the Hollywood producer played by Pacino was like, I think this guy's perfect for a Spaghetti Western once again and calls up some people and, you know, there's a time jump and six months later, um, Leonardo DiCaprio has started like four or five Spaghetti Western movies and he's ready to get settled down. He marries an Italian girl, so on and so forth. And, of course, he brings his best friend, uh, Cliff Along, who was a stunt double and assistant taking care of him the entire time. They're ready to end things because he's like, I can't afford you anymore and you take care of my wife, blah, blah, blah. Whatever, all mundane shit, until we finally get to that fateful night where apparently the Manson murder is supposed to happen because 
Oh yeah, neglected to mention how important this is. Sharon Tate lives right next door to Rick Dalton. That's how he kind of is molded into the mix of these uh, tragic events here. Um, so the these group of hippies, three girl, th two girls and a guy are there. Uh, well, three girls and a guy. They're 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 with the intention of killing this, killing Sharon Tate and her house guest because um, Charlie said so. Uh, and they just kind of do as Charlie's told um, because he's a charismatic guy and he's able to do that. Um, but then they encounter uh, they encounter Rick Dalton as they're just kind of stationed in front of um, in front of Sharon Tate's house and their car is kind of a uh, fucking uh, junk. So it's like really loud and this this is in the middle of night midnight so Rick Dalton drunk off his ass was like no you get the fuck off my street right now and she just kind of has a very uh belligerent um interaction with them that causes them to kind of set their sights on him because they recognize him they recognize him from that show Buddy Law um Buddy Law um fuck Bounty Law there you go Buddy Law that's the name of the episode um no I have a pouch name I think in mind so never mind Buddy Law but pff, Bounty Law um, so, he's there, he's ready, he tells them, like, look, get the fuck off my street, and they decide to set their sights on him, they recognize him from the show, and they're just like, why don't we kill the people who taught us how to kill when we were kids, it, they're, they're hippies, they're weird, so they decide to set their sights on, um, Rick Dalton, they manage to get in, uh, but, you know, Cliff is there with his badass fucking pit bull, so they made a mistake, because he took care of fucking business. Yeah, well, at least him and his dog took care of fucking business. It was fucking awesome. It was probably the most satisfying part of the movie. Because, again, we just we, we just spent this journey, this two-and-a-half-hour journey of just, just getting to know these characters, and it doesn't really go anywhere. And now we see it come to fruition where the, they kind of converge, and the Manson family decides to fuck with um, Rick Dalton. Unfortunately, they didn't know Cliff was his assistant, and Cliff is going to fuck shit up. So, you know... The one girl fucking fled, which she was smart, and then the other two were like, the other two and the guy were there, they were threatening them, the guy has a gun, the dog is sitting there, and uh, Cliff is like, wait, he tells his dog to wait, because he wants to have, to have the most opportune time to get rid of this fucker, so the guy's pointing his gun at, at, um, at Cliff, the Italian wife is out in Brom Penny, so it was great, she was hot, uh, and then the two girls are there with their knives, standoff and then chest is it looks like chest as he's about to uh pull the trigger on cliff he's like go basically so the dog fucking jumps on that fucker's arm and just tears his arm up tears his leg up tears his crotch up it was fucking awesome so uh one of the girls decides to run towards cliff and cliff is holding a can of fucking dog food and throws it straight at her face breaks her nose immediately it is so entertaining and then again they proceed he proceeds to fuck shit up tells the dog to attack the girl to get like this fucking girl, this dog is tearing up this girl, and the other girl who was trying to, to take care of um of um of Rick's Italian wife, first of all gets punched out by the Italian wife. So you know you're stupid anyway. That you deserve that. And then she runs and she kind of tackles Cliff, which was a big mistake. Uh, Cliff gets stabbed in the hip, but then proceeds to just destroy this chick. He takes her face and slams her into so many different hard surfaces. It was so entertaining. And eventually this. Uh, the girl who's getting mauled by the dog uh, gets runs to the pool where Rick Dalton's there like a fucking idiot, obliviously, obliviously listening to music, and um, 
he just kind of takes care of business because there was, a, there was a stupid joke in the beginning of the movie where he talks about how he learned how to use a flamethrower for a role and he pulls out a fucking flamethrower from his boathouse, I mean not his boathouse, his, uh, his pool house and just fries this chick. Again, obvious. Again, the most satisfying part of the movie is that movie. Is that part? And it's fucking hysterical, uh, ultra violent, but very, very well done to the point where I mean, it was a little cringy, like because I can't really take blood like that. But it was very, very entertaining, very well done. Um, I had quite a lot of fun with it. Um, it was, uh, and then eventually, like I guess you know, after in the aftermath, the police coming, the ambulance coming, take care of Cliff. Um, you know, Sharon Tate's house guest comes out and asks him what, what's up, and he just kind of goes and meets Sharon. They, I guess, they have a nightcap or something like that. But overall, uh, and then it finally, and then it finally shows the title treatment. Once upon a time in Hollywood, and I'm like, fuck, I get it now. This is kind of, first of all, it's it's like you know historical fiction, obviously, but it's also I guess it's his way of being like, this is a fairy tale set in Hollywood. I think that's what he meant for it to be because like. In the end, people live happily, I mean, not for the Manson family, but people live happily ever after, you know? Um, uh, Cliff saves his best buddy and his wife. Uh, Rick doesn't die, and he's fairly um, fairly fortunate to have starred in so many spaghetti westerns. He found a girl that he really likes, and got to get to meet his next-door neighbor, and Sharon Tate doesn't die. Like, in, you know, doesn't die in 1969 when she originally died, you know? So it's kind of his take on a on a Hollywood fairy tale, like, that's the only thing, that's the only way I can explain it, and I, I, at least that's what I got from it, I don't know if you have a different interpretation, um, I haven't spoken to, uh, Milky about this movie, who has seen this movie, so I can talk to him about it and see what he, what he got out of it, but that's what I got of it, is that it was kind of like a Hollywood fairy tale, where he just kind of rewrites history in a way that's more, um, that's less, that's, that's more fortunate, basically, because he kind of did that already with Inglorious Bastards, um, because, you know, Hitler died in a crowded theater, and, you know, the theater burned down, but yeah, it's, it's kind of like a Hollywood fairy tale where things kind of just happen, um, and <sighs> they live happily ever after, I guess, you know, things, and it worked out, and again, like, this was, it meanders, there, there's no real, like, drive for plot in throughout, in throughout most of the movie, Again, we have like a riveting scene where Leonardo DiCaprio just shows how fucking good he is, because he's he's play, he's playing Rick, who plays another character in the Old West, and it's so fucking good. He's so fucking good. And then there's another insanely tense scene where um where Cliff goes to check up on the owner of the ranch where the Manson family is occupying, and that was in, in very very intense. And but again, like overall, like the first first three quarters of that movie you're just like where is this leading up to i mean you see we've seen the manson family we've seen charles manson what are we gonna do with them you know like i mean yeah the early buzz was that it was about the manson murders but then the trailer came out and you're like no it really wasn't it just looks like a day in the life of this one actor that he created and it, it was pretty cool because they, they kind of did the forrest gump thing where they kind of threw um this character and they kind of they kind of threw um um, they kind of threw Rick in a bunch of, of various old movies and, and shows and stuff like that, um, as well as Margot Robbie's Sharon Tate, like, this movie that exists, probably, I don't really know, they look into it, with Sharon Tate, um, they put Margot Robbie in there, uh, in the same fucking movie, it's really interesting, like, it, again, this, this is basically porn for, um, uh, for Quentin Tarantino, because he's the biggest movie buff in the world, so he was obviously insanely hyped to do something that kind of just, like, 
you know, showcases, um, the movie's called Wrecking Crew, so it does exist, <laughs> um, so it's just kind of showcases his love for Hollywood, his love for old Hollywood, and shit like that, like, it's just, it's kind of, I guess it's kind of his way of being like, yo, this is what I love, guys, like, let me bring you into this, um, and I liked it quite a bit, I don't think it's nearly as entertaining as something like Django Unchained or Hateful Eight, but, you know, my bad, I didn't watch his early movies, so I can't compare it to, like, Jackie Brown and Pulp Fiction and stuff like that, and I know you hate me for it, but that's the way it is, I haven't seen those, but it's it was entertaining, I did quite enjoy it, um, so we'll see what his next movie is, I really hope it's not the Star Trek movies, I don't want his last movie to be part of an IP, I want him to do something original, but I'll pretty much watch anything he does, so, yeah, whatever, that's my review, quote-unquote, of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, if I were to give it a score, it's probably like 3.5 out of 5, it's a really good movie, I quite enjoyed it, so, um, I guess the other thing I can do is, like, my own, again, my own shitty version of Metal Ness, um, because a big album, for at least for me, dropped, uh, like, last week, it, it was by Slipknot, um, and I wouldn't say I'm a biggest Slipknot fan, because I don't really like the hardest type of metal, but I do like metal, I started listening to Slipknot, um, and I wanna say, when was that album out, like, 2000. Six? Something like that. Uh, when Volume 3 to Subliminal Versus came out, that album to me is perfection. I adore that album. I think that album is fantastic. I can listen to that album front to back, and I will enjoy every single track. It is such a great album. Uh, that, But that was basically the beginning of the end for most Slipknot fans because you have uh, the self-titled and you have Iowa. Two were, both of which were extremely hard and Corey wasn't really singing. At least the lead singer Corey Taylor was not really singing in those um, albums. He was, there was a lot of screaming, which is what metal fans really want, at least out of Slipknot. Um, but then, like, in Subliminal Verses, he really started singing and really starts working on his voice and they start harmonizing like crazy and so people weren't too happy with that album I personally loved it and I still listen to it to this day I think it's a fantastic 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 album front to back it's such a good album and I listen to it quite often um, some of my favorite tracks of course are um, probably first of all the nameless that's probably my favorite track on the album Vermilion 1 and 2 uh, Circle I quite enjoy um, I like Pulse of the Maggots uh, maybe 3-0 and Duality, they're all great, I mean, the whole album's fucking good, but those are probably, to me, the standout tracks, so they released a new album, uh, last week, on August 9th, called We Are Not Your Kind, I was hyped for it, I was waiting for it, I, I, pre I mean, I didn't love the last album, uh, The Great Chapter, but I was ready for a new one, um, and I was excited to listen to it, I feel it's, for me, it's divisive, because it is, not what I was looking for, and obviously they're not going to give me exactly what I'm looking for, because they're going to do what they want to do as musicians. There's only, so far, I want to say there's about two or three tracks that I really, really like, and that's not good. Like, mind you, you have a 14-track album, you should definitely have a lot more tracks that appeal to certain people, uh, but I only liked, like, two or three. Um, I really like Birth of the Cruel. I think that song is really fucking good. I like the song called A Liar's Funeral. That song is super dark and depressing. And then there's this one song called Solway Firth, which is also, to me, like one of the hardest songs on that album, and it's really fucking good. 
at least in my opinion. But, you know, I'm in the minority because while I find it somewhat of a mediocre album, uh, I, all the critics are like, this is the best thing in the fucking world since sliced cheese, you know, or sliced bread, whatever. <laughs> I don't even know the goddamn uh, com- comparison, the analogy. Yeah, it, critics are in love with it. And, like, I'm a little bit baffled. Um, not that I give a fuck what they think, but I'm just like, I just, I just wasn't expecting that. They're just saying, like, it's a really, it's it's a step forward for Slipknot because they're kind of experimenting, and they definitely are, because there's this one track on the album that's still somewhat in the same style as Slipknot. I mean, for example, there's this one track on the album that's kind of in the same style as Slipknot, and that's dark and creepy, but it's not heavy, and there is no screaming. Um, it's not like before I forget because that's kind of heavy. We're t- I'm talking. It sounds like a pop song if it wasn't for the fact that the riffs are like very creepy and kind of like horror movie esque. Because it, it's it's meant to be kind of like a subtle type of creepy, not meant to be like a jump scare kind of creepy. If you know what I'm getting at, that song is so different from anything that I've ever heard them do. While I, it's not my favorite track. It is very catchy. It's called Spiders, and it's it's very very strange. At least for Slipknot. Uh, and yeah, so the album is extreme, extremely experimental, so they're just kind of like playing around uh, with something new, which is fine. They're entitled to evolve and experiment and enjoy whatever and do whatever the fuck they want with their music. But apparently, fucking people love it. They, they think it's like the greatest album they've come up with for a while. It's very high critical acclaim for it. And they're saying it's a step forward for the genre in general, which I'm like, what? No, this album is, like, mediocre at best. I mean, like, it is growing on me, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm liking more and more tracks on it as I continue listening to it. But, like, that is definitely hyperbole, sir. Like, I don't know how in the world that this song, this album can be so pioneering that it would be a step forward in the genre. Like, I, But then again, like, you know, the Beatles weren't always hailed as the greatest band in the world at the time. They were, and Bohemian Rhapsody was considered fucking trash at the time. So yeah, maybe in the future this shit will be studied as one of the best albums that pushed up the, the, pushed the genre forward. I don't know, but like, I think it's mediocre, but like I said, I'm, I'm, I've just been constantly listening to it and like my 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 opinion is changing like in the in you know favorably i am liking more and more tracks like the t- the the first track on the album and the lead single is called unsainted I hated it. Like, the first three listens, I was like, this is the worst fucking track on the album. I really don't like it. It is very, very similar to, like, Stone Sour, which they've been kind of, like, amalgamating with for a while. Because Stone Sour is Corey Taylor's other band, which is more pop rock than metal. Um, And it seems like ever since he started that band, uh, Slipknot has been slowly incorporating elements from Stone Sour. And that pisses me off because I want more heavy you know like granted I already came in when they were already lightening up a little bit with um with uh um volume three the the subliminal verses but I don't know man like I that's what unsainted came off to me came off as like another stone sour single like it just it wasn't good well, at least at first. Again, the first three listens, I was like, this has got to be the worst track on the album. This is so fucking bad. This is WWE metal because technically it is because WWE used it as a fucking theme song to one of their um, pay-per-views, I think. I don't, I don't know which one, but I remember hearing it and WWE going apeshit for that track, but like, I fucking hated it. And then after the fifth listen, I was like, 
it's growing on me. I'm liking it. I'm liking it. So, yeah, who knows? If maybe I'll listen to it about five more times and end up coming back to you and telling you it's the fucking greatest fucking album I've heard in a while. Who knows? But right now, it's, to me, it's a mediocre album with about three fantastic tracks. Uh, my picks, like I said, are Solway Firth, A Liar's Funeral, Birth of the Cruel. Yeah, that's another um, that's another thing that people seem to really be enjoying is that Corey's lyrics are the best he's ever written, which I can't speak to because I've never really studied his lyrics. I don't think he's the personally. I don't I don't look at his lyrics as the greatest, so I don't really I don't really read them too often. So I can't really tell you if these are his bet his best lyrics or not. But I can tell you that they are very dark. Like they are very very dark. He is coming from. A really shitty place and he's writing it all out there and seeing it and it's pretty fucking good at least in the tracks i just mentioned because i read the liar's funeral um lyrics and they're really good they're very sad but in an angry sort of way you know it's hard to describe but you got again those three tracks are the for me the standout tracks birth of the cruel a liar's funeral and solway firth check those out and maybe unsainted because um i know that uh metal ness he said he liked that he likes that track so give that a try it is their lead single it is wwe metal so it's a little bit more um mainstream than some of their other stuff so give that a try uh that's my little mini review of uh, we are not your kind um but then again i'm always a little skeptical of slipknot because like i said i, I hated all hope it's gone i thought that was a trash fucking album although i like their lead single psychosocial that i thought i thought fucking we are i thought all hope was gone was absolute trash especially after how awesome volume three was and then after that um the great chapter was just okay there's maybe like again there's like four like a handful of tracks on that album that are really good um so you know i was skeptical but i was definitely ready for a new album and it's here and it's not my favorite but who knows maybe like i said who knows maybe after a few more listens i'll end up loving it um so there you go that's nearly 30 minutes of content for you and i'm just geeking about geeking out about two very very different things um quentin tarantino flick once upon a time in hollywood and slipknot's newest album we are not your kind uh very very um bad substitutes for sbj and ness but here it's something for you guys to listen to while we get up and going with a full episode next week i hope so at least no promises but i'm almost certain we're gonna get one out to you guys all right so anything everything you can find droppinglows.com you can find you can also find us on facebook at facebook.com slash dropping productions or by i mean dropping those podcast yeah, it's, drop, it's facebook.com slash dropping lows podcast and you or you can search at dropping lows productions um you can also find us on twitter at dropping lows pc or at instagram at dropping lows uh also check out the youtube youtube.com slash dropping lows p of uh, weekly episodes of various shows going up every single week yeah weekly i just said that um just check that shit out Check out um, Milky's new venture with his buddy Vesky. It's called Dumb Down. You can find it on YouTube at Dumb Down. It is a new show where a weekly series where he just kind of summarizes movies in his very funny way. Um, a very they're very very different movies. They're, they're not. It spans like very different genres and 
fame and whatever mostly indie movies but whatever and you can find them at dumbdownyt at instagram and facebook and don't forget to check out the bs podcast network it's this network of podcasts started up by user pure bs you can find it at bspodcastnetwork.com or you can find it at patreon patreon.com slash bs podcast network uh, you can also find us on two internet radio stations first one is a mixed talk you can find it at themixx.fm we're also on cornucopia radio at c-o-r-n-u-c-o-p-i-a hyphen radio that's the other uk we played randomly once throughout the week so hopefully one day you just happen to tune in and check us out and once more you can find SBJ's fourth finest hour of his entire life it's called the Don Francisco Promise Astoria for the low low price of $1.50 you can find that at droppingloads.podbean.com and help us out by purchasing that baby yeah until next time we love dropping loads well I love dropping loads because it's just me by myself lonely as fuck bye This is Devin Kraft from the Science Faction Podcast with my co-host Stephen Dominguez. Hey, Stephen. Hey, Devin. Hey, do you like science? I love science. Do you like science fiction? Oh, science fiction is the best. Well, I've got the show for you because you and I talk about science and science fiction on our podcast every week. And you know what else? What? We end every episode with a badass Futurama quote. Oh, I can't wait. So go to our podcast website, sciencefactionpodcast.com. I'm going to do that right now. Four, three, two, one. One, two, three, four, five, five, four, three, two, one. End of test.